You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Anas Sohail, Head of Sales at Payability. Welcome to the show, Anas. Brady, thanks for having me and, and glad to be here. Uh, definitely excited to be speaking with you today, and I appreciate you bringing Payability back to the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's good to have you on. Uh, we, we obviously did the podcast with Keith about a year ago now, but I think you bring a fresh perspective from the world of alternative lending, merchant cash advance, all that good stuff. So Anas, you know, you, I know you're a recent joiner to Payability, and, and I think your background in fintech is, is interesting too. Could you give our listeners a little bit of context about where you're coming from in the space? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely new to payability. I've uh, been here about uh, two and a half months now. Prior to this, I spent uh, most of my career in uh, transaction banking, about 10 years. And after that, I decided I did not want to be in banking anymore and then moved to the fintech world. And, and, um, and I was at a couple of companies before payability. I uh, headed up enterprise sales uh, at uh, checkout.com for the U.S., after that, I was uh, managing B2B growth at Stripe for about 18 months. And then uh, I decided to kind of move back to New York during that time period. And, and Payability reached out, um, and it was a great opportunity. And I think for me, it was really about uh, kind of evolving my career and making sure that uh, I continue to do something that is additive to my skill set and, and my knowledge about the industry. So here I am. I'm, I'm back in New York. And just for more context, I'm originally a New Yorker, you know, here my whole life and uh, decided to move out to San Francisco about seven years ago, where I uh, did some of the, my banking stint and my fintech stint, and uh, now I'm back. So glad to be here. And uh, again, thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, well, welcome home to New York. Uh, happy to have you here. So I, I think what's interesting is that you're coming from a space with checkout.com and Stripe where you know, you're working with merchants uh, on a day-to-day basis. Payability, on the other hand, you know, payability's primary business is, is lending. You share customers with the checkout platforms, but it's a different product. So can you share a little bit more about um, kind of your, your deep expertise in this space, working with online merchants, and then, you know, what makes payability appealing in terms of a value proposition to uh, what the merchants are seeing in the market today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think a couple of things here. Number one, you're 100% right. Um, what we are doing is very much a part of the fintech world and ecosystem. And certainly there is a decent amount of overlap that exists with uh, customers that we work with and customers that um, are potential customers of, of Stripe and Checkout.com. I guess what I will say is the biggest reason for me prompting uh, a move from that world was the fact that you know core payments is certainly a market and specifically a sector where you see a lot of uh, innovative things happening. Obviously, as time goes on, customers are being presented with very unique value-add ideas and, and services to, to continue to monetize and, and grow their revenue base. If we think about what that means in the overall grand scheme of things, it's 
customers who may not have been selling online previously are now able to do that easier and more efficiently and get paid uh, in the ways that they want. Uh, and two, um, they may be able to accept payment methods that they didn't before, right? And I think that's kind of how I summarize the payments world uh, today. Uh, there's obviously a lot more players than, than Stripe and Checkout. And, and so anyone who's really selling online, whether it's through a marketplace or platform that uses one of these uh, providers, or they're just selling directly on their own website and utilizing one of these providers, it's a highly relevant space. If you think about what payability is doing and what I've been doing for the last two and a half months, it's really a very specific focus around empowering specifically e-commerce sellers that are working on the e-com platforms that exist out there. So if you think about the Amazons, Shopify's, uh, Etsy's, Newegg's, uh, Etsy's new eggs and Ebay's of the world. These are platforms where sellers can come on, they can continue to sell what they've already been selling and now in a online uh, fashion, but also be able to kind of figure out ways to monetize on that in, 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 in ways that they haven't before. I think what we saw for really is not so much the payments aspect when it comes to actually collecting revenue. What we're looking to solve for here at Payability is the ability for our sellers to continue to scale and grow. And if you think about the average seller uh, that exists today, so for example, if you're you know, selling a, you know, iPhone chargers that are very unique and very specific, and now you're, you're trying to fi find ways to continue to sell them at scale, you're going to be looking at marketplaces that exist out there that can help facilitate that. Obviously, Amazon comes to mind, Shopify comes to mind if you want to set up your own storefront. But really, the crux of what is going to limit their ability to scale is not so much signing up for a platform. It's going to be access to inventory, additional inventory, and other things like marketing spend, for example, right? I mean, that's really kind of the main two spending categories for e-com sellers. What Payability does is, is allows them to secure funding in a way that is very unique to the market. Funding for us means that we're looking at the sale of our sellers that work with us today and determining an amount to either provide them with upfront or unlocking cash flow in circumstances like Amazon, for example, where they're getting paid 14 days after the sale of a product. So I can go into a little bit more detail around what that exactly entails for our customers, but hopefully that gives you a quick overview of how we're really differentiating ourselves, but also providing value in the fintech world, specifically in the payments world, that's a little different than what you see out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and what it sounds to me like is, you know, these online payment gateways or, or checkout uh, options, like you mentioned, checkout.com and Stripe, really democratized access for merchants to be able to get paid. If you even want to take it a bit broader, Square has done the same for physical merchants and, and these folks are servicing mostly online merchants. So it's great that merchants get paid, but you know what payability is bringing to the market is really democratizing access to working capital. So it, it kind of touches on a lot of these themes that we've seen in fintech over the last few years where scale and technology enable new and innovative services. And I would, I would also add like there are alternative products to what has typically been offered whether through new capabilities from the technology or, or from the scale or, or just new innovative ways of, you know, collecting data and, and uh, risk scoring these merchants to, to provide capital. So it's, it's a really interesting angle that the payability has in the space 
And, you know, we know, we know you're not alone, but I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, have, have your own take on it and, and your own reason why merchants work specifically with you. Yeah. So, so it, it would be interesting to hear a little bit of what merchants were doing prior to payability um, and, and what impact payability brought to their business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's, that's a really good segue because, you know, if you think about it, most fintechs today really have to think about what value they're adding from the lens of the customer. And what you highlighted was there's the sort of broad ability to monetize, but there's so much more that goes into running any business, whether it's online or in person. And a lot of that comes down to how you're going to continue to scale and grow. Like I've said earlier, the access to getting additional inventory, to getting more dollars for marketing spend is really the crux of what our customers are looking for, right? If I take the average Amazon seller that started out today and, and you know is looking to continue to scale and grow their business, it's how do we do this with a successful product that we've already sold, whether it's in person or online now, and get more access to inventory in order for us to do that. The biggest problem that marketplaces pose today is that while they're looking to make sure that sellers can continue to sell and sell more, and they're also looking to make sure buyers continue to buy and obviously buy more, there's this conundrum that exists specifically for marketplaces like Amazon and Walmart, where sellers are unable to access cash as soon as they sold a product. And the reason being is that these platforms are you know, giving room for things like refunds, chargebacks, any sort of uh, issues with inventory, which allows the buyer to remain protected and the seller to kind of remain on the hook a little bit until there's that return window, which has passed. Our instant access product is something that's very unique, I would say, because not only does it solve for cash flow, but it does it in a way that is a lot more seamless than what you would see out there. Just to kind of give a quick summary, if you are basically getting paid 14 days later, what Payability is doing with our instant access product is, is really moving forward those receivables 14 days up, or I guess 13 days up, right? You're, you're essentially looking to get paid the next day through Payability for sale that you did the previous day. And really what that does is if you take that 14 days forward and you accelerate someone's growth by that much, not only do they have access to capital that much quicker, but they had the ability to take that capital and essentially plan ahead for the next, let's just say 30, 60, 90 days. Whether it's they're going to need to contact their supplier in order to get more inventory, contact wherever they're getting their products manufactured in order to start that process and put down you know, a certain amount of money. Whatever the case is, this is something that is basically a, a gap that exists in the market today, right? There's a very large world where Suppliers need capital upfront in order to basically create products for you know sellers to sell, and they need that in order to you know be able to continue that process. And our sellers today need to be able to fund them. And if you're really looking to sell, you know, let's say from 500 to let's say 5,000 products, all of a sudden that's not feasible in today's model, right? Where an Amazon seller is going to get paid for what they've sold um, 14 days later. So that's kind of one of the ways that we're solving for it. Um, I'm glad to go into more detail around some of our other kind of offerings, but uh, I think that's kind of uh, where, where we are looking to go as a company. We're really looking to find these values, these very niche kind of ways to help our customers. And, and again, not to say that it's so niche that there's a very small customer base here, 
there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of Amazon sellers that exist, not only in the US, but globally. So there's really a large market for us to, to provide value in. And, and that's where we're really doubling down our efforts is finding ways to kind of unlock that capital for, for sellers that are either starting out or are, are mature enough in their stage where they're kind of looking to make that large step in the next direction. Yeah. And, and I think you, you raise a couple of interesting points there. Number one, you know, talking about going from selling, you know, 500 widgets to 5,000 widgets is no easy feat. And what you're, what you're saying here is now merchants finally have an opportunity to do that because not only do you have access to these online sales channels where you have uh, the customer base, you also have access to funding partners like payability and whether it's simply scaling through inventory purchases or, or scaling through other online acquisition channels through advertising, you guys are providing that capital, which is probably, you know, one of the first, the first times in, in, uh, in history where merchants could scale as rapidly and as, and as great as they are doing today. So that's, it's pretty exciting from the merchant's point of view. So the other point you mentioned is Amazon, Walmart, uh, whatever the, the platform might be that these sellers are selling on, they're the ones kind of causing the delays in these payments. And, you know, they have their own business reasons for doing so. It's reasonable. The merchants probably expect it and, and um, trust that it's, it's all in good faith that they're holding these funds for legitimate reasons. But, you know, the fact that they are creating these payment delays enables companies like Payability to step in to fill the gap. What we've seen over the last few months is the platforms themselves have stepped in to try to fill the gap. So it's interesting that they're holding on to the merchant's money and then another wing of Amazon or another wing of Walmart, the financing team is saying, hey, you know, we can provide you a cash advance here. So can you talk a little bit about, I, I think what's interesting about payability is, is you're combining a merchant's uh, sales channels, right? You're, you're, you're looking at the holistic picture of the merchant. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, why that's the, the, the best approach, what you guys are expecting in terms of these marketplaces offering funding to their merchants exclusively and, and how payability tends to, or, or is planning to swim in those waters? Yeah, I think again, like this, this is something that not only are we seeing coming from marketplaces, we are seeing this come from all sorts of financial institutions. We're seeing offers come from um, non-bank, you know, financial lenders, if you will. And just to be clear, you know, because I want to make sure that the delineation is there. Technically speaking, payability does not lend. Uh, what we do is fund, and I can go into that in a little bit, but. The reason I mentioned that is we are doing something that's very unique to what our customers are looking for. So if you look at what Amazon is doing or even Walmart is doing, and like you said, they're kind of extending payment terms, providing these alternative capital solutions, and hoping that their customers can fill that gap. While that makes sense, and yes, customers are taking advantage of that, what they're not, not doing is being able to do that in a way that's scalable and efficient. So I'll give you a very specific example. If you were to go on any of the marketplace offerings or kind of bank offerings that exist today, what you're doing is you're going to be looking for access to a uh, specific amount of capital. That capital is going to be, let's just say five, 10, 20 grand. There's going to be an APR associated with that. And what this institution is going to do, if you're a seller is going to ask you for things like your monthly financials, obviously personal credit, if you are not incorporated LLC, and sometimes they'll still ask for that if you are a corporate LLC or, or, or they're an entity, if you will. And then they're going to go and do a host of what we would call traditional financial due diligence 
on you and, and ultimately come up with not only a rate, but a lending amount and terms in which you have to pay that back. This kind of offering just really follows the tra- traditional model around um, financing and is no really different, not really different from anyone going out and get getting a, a small business loan. While that may work, while you know sellers can go ahead and do this kind of one-time process and they can get that capital, it really doesn't kind of meet the specific need of what a seller is looking for, right? Is that it's it's this is sort of a very arduous one-off process where a seller is going to get access to capital probably after let's just say one to two weeks of you know going providing paperwork, um, you know, dealing with the financial institution. And again, Amazon and, and Walmart and all the marketplaces are not doing this themselves. They they've partnered with financial institutions to do so and ultimately get their funding two weeks later uh, if you're a seller. The reason that payability is is able to differentiate is number one, like I've said earlier, and my caveat, we do not lend. What we do is we take a look at a customer, aka a seller's receivables, so their sales of for the last, let's just say, 90 days, and we determine how well they're performing. If, for example, they have enough sale to warrant, let's say, an advance, an advance would be essentially... Uh, you know, funding we would provide against the receivables, let's just say the amount is $10,000. That amount comes to determination from very specific data that we have and through our machine learning, which like I said, takes a look at sale. It takes a look at how well that seller has performed, not only over those 90 days, but in terms of looking at the reviews, what products they're selling, and really kind of our thoughts around how capital, specifically the amount that we provide them, can help them accelerate that based on what they're looking for. So it's really different in the sense that we're not looking at credit checks. We're not looking at overall kind of, you know, core financials. We're really specifically looking at someone's sale and how they're going to use that money that we provide in terms of funding to really scale their business. And that's really the key differentiation here. And ultimately, in terms of payback, if we want to talk about that a little bit, most customers today, when they take a traditional financial loan out, they have what they would call payment terms and a payback period. Those payment terms are essentially set forth by the financial institution. They're going to be paying either you know, lump sum at some point in time, or they're going to be paying you know, a certain monthly installments over a certain point in time. And while that may work, it really doesn't take into account the fact that our sellers now have to think about an added kind of liability that they have to take care of. The reason that payability is different there is that we're looking at receivables and we're also collecting on receivables. And what that means is that we're embedding ourselves in the funds flow by basically saying that if we fund an Amazon seller or a Shopify seller or any seller with a one-time advance of, let's say, 10000 over the course of, let's just say, 20 weeks, we will essentially be drawing down a certain portion of that from the receivables, basically saying that, hey, look, we're, we know that you need capital for success our capital has provided you the ability to grow and ultimately sell, let's say 50% more than you were in the last three months, in the next three months. And we're going to take some of that capital um, in order to pay back essentially the sort of funding that we've provided you. And what that does is really allow a seller to budget, to really look at how their sale is growing and to really not have to worry about basically back through those. Our sellers today are able to basically pay back payability through their receivables, which is a lot different than how a traditional financial loan or, or, or product would work. And so these are the ways that really payability is offering value. We're, we're not only making it easy to get funding, most of our sellers today get funded within the course of 24 to 48 hours, which is a lot quicker than where they would get funding for most 
financial institutions, but they're also able to pay it back much quicker in a much more efficient way that really takes into account how much they're selling and not so much how much they actually owe us overall. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think that's that's been a great overview of kind of the, the nuances of, of how payability operates, providing the, the cash advance as opposed to uh, what might be termed a loan and just empowering the sellers through that process. So, you know, just, just to kind of pivot the conversation a little bit here, one of the themes that we talk a lot about on this podcast is the, the bundling and unbundling of financial services. Um, so, you know, kind of tangential to question about uh, marketplaces embedding a, a cash advance product is really where you see the space evolving when you build financial brands like Payability that are front of mind for merchants and, you know, kind of how you guys plan to leverage that relationship. I think there's no doubt that there are a host of services that folks can embed now kind of through a a few quick API calls. And, you know, depending on what your customer base is is asking you for or where you see you can sell additional value. uh, Just curious if you could touch on that a little bit about where, where payability views the future of uh, financial services specifically for, for what you guys are going to bring to your customer base. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a good segue too, is because really at the end of the day, what we are doing is taking our success in this space. We're taking our technology, our machine learning, and really looking to not only scale this as a company, but we're looking to work with companies that are looking to scale their e-com seller base. So what that means is that you have marketplaces today uh, and we have a partnership today, for example, with Newegg, it's new ad capital powered by payability, which basically takes this concept and applies it to their world of customers. And so what it's really doing is taking our machine learning, it's taking our you know, API that they've integrated with us on and looking at ways for them to empower their own sellers in light of the fact that there's so many opportunities that exist out there. What this really does is creates an ecosystem for them where they don't have to have their sellers leave the new egg experience, they can really leverage payabilities backend, if you will, and then take their customers to a point where it's not them just offering our quote unquote solution. It's really being able to kind of stand by it and say, look, we are not just throwing another uh, offer for financing to you out there. We're doing this because we vetted a partner that not only has done this in other facets and other marketplaces, but also understands really the gap here that exists for most sellers, right? And this is a lot different than what you would see that, you know, some some marketplaces and some um, platforms that, you know, really throw out financing opportunities out there is because there's a really large gap in the world of financing when it comes to what whether or not that financing is applicable for the average user. And so when we embed ourselves with a marketplace like a new egg, for example, we're basically looking to not only leverage our tech stack, but we're also looking to leverage the fact that we've done this with other marketplaces. And so it's not just another financing solution. It's a financing solution that takes into account the maximum amount of uh, compatibility. And instead of just kind of looking across the board and saying, Hey, look, you have X amount of sellers so that, you know, we can basically reach out to all of these sellers. We're saying the reason we can do that is because we are going to be able to qualify a lot of your sellers today, not only because we've done this before, but because our criteria is a lot more conducive 
to customers that are either starting out, uh, looking to grow their business, or maybe have grown their business so much that they're looking for capital in a different way than they are from other funders or, or lending institutions, right? So these are the kind of value props that we bring to the kind of ecosystem of marketplaces where they're looking for embedded financial technology. And we're really looking to replicate this as much as possible. We're having active dialogue with several different marketplaces that exist out there. And what we're looking to do is bring that same value in-house, even though we're probably already working with their customers, aka sellers today. Yeah, so, so um, that leads me to, to a, a point of curiosity. As you talk to these marketplaces, you know, I'd imagine the seller profile varies slightly, maybe not much, but, but slightly. And, and what the marketplaces are driving at could be different. So to what extent do you guys customize your underwriting approach? And, and I know it's not alone, so maybe underwriting is a bad word, but you know, eligibility criteria. So to what extent do you um, kind of have a different, different goal, different metrics, different target audience? Like what, how do you guys um, tailor that for each marketplace that you guys are going to go work with in an embedded lending way? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we do that on what we have kind of worked out with that marketplace specifically, right? So the companies that we work with directly or would like to work with directly are really letting us know what their key indicators are for seller success and seller growth. And we're trying to take that and really take, take those kind of um, variables, if you will, input them into our model and determine how many of those sellers we can actually work with today, right? And we can identify that right away, even before actually working with the marketplace directly. And the reason is, is because we have the ability to kind of look at that, not just um, through a simple mathematical model, but we can plug that into our machine learning model and basically determine how much of their market is addressable by us. And ultimately what that leads to is actual success in this space, not just for us, but for that marketplace. Because like I said earlier, most marketplaces are in the business of making sure that their buyers can continue to buy and their sellers can continue to sell. But the caveat there is that their sellers have what we would call inherent handicaps, right? And those handicaps, like we talked about, are access to the capital in, in more immediate terms and also access to more capital so they can scale. So most sellers, I'm sorry, most marketplaces are really very much in tune and in the business of empowering their sellers. It's just a matter of how we do that and how we can do that in a way that's very applicable to them. So, you know, like I said, we take into account, you know, very specific variables, like how many days they've been selling, our sellers been selling, how much they've been selling, whether that product is successful or their product is successful in terms of the reviews. We're also looking at things like, are they selling on other marketplaces, right? That's a big determining factor because we do support multiple marketplaces. And when we see a seller that's being not only successful in one marketplace, but you know maybe two, that just lends itself our, the ability for us to be able to potentially even lend, lend or sorry, fund more than we were previously, right? So I think that's kind of the summary of where I think our seller uh, offering is, is differentiated, but also differentiated in the sense of our platforms finding a lot more value in our model rather than a traditional fi financing model. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, th this might be a good place to, to uh, pause the conversation. And uh, so it was uh, great to have you on and, and thanks for sharing so much more about payability and, and your own views of, of what's going on in the alternative financing space. Thank you. Thanks for having me and I appreciate you bringing us back on and yeah, look forward to the next time. So where can folks go to learn more about payability or, or potentially get in touch with you? 
Yeah, so I think the, the best way to reach, uh, reach us right now is go on payability.com. You can either chat with us via our, our, our live chat. You know, we have our, our team available um, Monday through Friday, uh, 8 to 5. We also um, can be reached at sales at payability.com. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. We also have a contact us form on our website. And yeah, just read about our offering. Let us know if you have any questions and we're always here to answer them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very easy to reach us. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you and us. Great. Thanks, Brady. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.